Turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18. pray, Father, I pray that you break yokes today in Jesus' name. I pray that you would set every captive free in Jesus' name. I pray that you would cast down every stronghold and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus. Send your truth and set us free. Cast down the works of the enemy and allow us to live the abundant life that you've ordained for us. Use your word, spoken through my clay, fallen lips, and get the glory. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've been watching the news lately and keeping up with what's going on in the world, you know that black folks have been getting the cops called on them for all kinds of reasons. Uh-huh, yeah. If you cut grass, they might call the cops on you. Uh, if you are at an Airbnb and you're leaving, they may think you're stealing from the place when it's just your own luggage and they'll call the cops on you. If you're at the pool just having a good time, someone just might call the cops on you. Or not long ago, we saw that a young girl was selling water bottles, and the police were called on her. And in this case, the mother of the child uh, walked down the woman who made the phone call in the first place, and she filmed her. And there was an exchange that went on, and this thing went viral. And next thing you know, uh, I think they called the woman Permit Patty. She was everywhere on the news, and next thing you know, she is apologizing for what she did. And she's very sorry. She may have even lost some business contacts, but she was very sorry. And she asked for forgiveness from the girl and the girl's mother. She, she asked for forgiveness, not in the moment, but a little bit later, she asked for forgiveness. And the thing that broke my heart, more than the fact that this woman called the police on this little girl and her mother. What broke my heart was that that mother and that little girl said that they would not forgive the woman for calling the police on them. That's a sad thing when people choose not to forgive. Another story, though, which is opposite to that story, is when the young man went into the church a couple of years back and killed nine people in Charleston, South Carolina. And as they captured him, and, and they stopped by Burger King, as you know, on the way to taking him to the police station, um, they took the young man in, and he was arraigned and all of that stuff, and he was shackled, and, and they had this on film for the world to see, when he stood to receive his charges, 
the family of the deceased were there. And as this young man stood, and I won't give him uh, the, the pleasure of saying his name, you know his name, but as he stood there, the family began to say to him, we forgive you. We forgive you, even though you have taken life from us, we forgive you. And in that moment, the gospel was preached around the world. The gospel that many people say is not resident in the so-called black church. But we saw the black church show the power of the gospel, not just the power to say a prayer and go to heaven, but a power to show the world that heaven truly has invaded your heart and changes how you feel, even about your enemies and those who hurt you. And these people could say, we forgive you. So therefore, this kind of grace has to be working on this young man's heart while he's doing his time. Because had they said, we hate you, we hate you, you took someone away from us that you could never give back. And, and even if you got the death penalty, those people could never come back. We hate you. Had they said those things to him, he might be sitting in his jail saying, you know what? Yeah, that's, the, that's what I wanted to get. That's the rise I wanted to get out of the people. But when they flipped the script and said, we forgive you, that's power. That's power. Then I saw the other day a Muslim lady um, whose son was murdered while going to the store to get some food for his wife and children. He was murdered. And again, the police capture him. And while they're in the courtroom, the Muslim lady says to the man who killed her son, making her grandchildren an orphan now, she says to the man, I forgive you for taking the life of my son. She went over and she hugged the mother of the murderer because she's saying now the mother of the murderer is suffering. So in the courtroom, she hugs the murderer. And then she asked the bailiff if she could hug the man who killed her son. And she said to that young man, you need help. You need love. You need support. And my family, we're going to take you in as one of our own. And we're going to love you while you are incarcerated, paying for your sins. Now that's power. Whether you're a Christian or if you're a Muslim or if you're an unbeliever, if you show, un, if you show forgiveness, you're showing power. You're showing life. You're showing love. But the opposite also needs to be discussed and that is when we choose not to forgive people especially if we call ourselves Christians, the ones who have been forgiven of all of our sins. So today, my message is very simple. It's very simple, but the application thereof can be difficult, which is why we need help from God. And if a Muslim lady or if unbelievers can show forgiveness, how much more should Christians show forgiveness to people who hurt us? Mm. So today, let's call this message, Forgive to Live. If you want to live, you got to forgive. It doesn't matter what they did to you. Now, what they did hurt you. It's wrong. But you must forgive them if you intend on living a fruitful and abundant life. So we got to look at a parable that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 18. One reason 
why relationships fall apart is because of an unwillingness to forgive. Jesus' warning about the dangers of unforgiveness that we're going to look at today is placed right between two other key teachings. In the earlier portions of Matthew 18, just before we get to this parable that starts in verse 21, he starts talking about how to resolve conflict in the church. Every church has conflicts because we are people who are conflictable. We have issues, and so we're going to have issues with one another. Where do wars come from? James said they come from within you. We all have those moments where we're battling with God, and it's going to spill over where we're battling with others, which is why Paul would say bear with one another in church because folk in church can be a bear sometimes. And the world's going to know we're his disciples by how we love each other. It also shows up in how we work out conflict with each other. But usually when Christians get in conflict in church, that's when we change church membership. No, 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 no. Stick in there. Lean into it. Work it out. And so Jesus gives us these directives on how to resolve conflict. If someone sins against you, go to that person one-on-one. Don't call other people first and disguise your gossip as a prayer request. Go to that person. Oh, man, we, 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 we communication 101, conflict resolution 101, we all need to go back to school sometime for a refresher course. And so Jesus keeps on working through this on how to handle issues in the church. And then right after the teaching on forgiveness and unforgiveness in chapter 19, he then gets into divorce because the Pharisees come up to him and say, uh, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? And so Jesus says, let me take you back to the beginning about the ideal before you went into your ordeal and asked God for a new deal. Let me take you back to the ideal. One man, one woman, one lifetime. He he says, have you not read that in the beginning God made them male and female? And then he said, "Uh, Moses gave y'all a certificate of divorce. He permitted it. Why? Because your hearts were hard. And our hearts get hard, especially in marriage, when we don't know how to resolve conflict and offer forgiveness one to another. So sandwiched between stuff that go on in the church house and stuff that go on in your house, Jesus says, let's talk about what happens when you don't forgive. This is a warning, y'all. And this is something that I've had to walk through and even be chastened by God. Because we're going to see in this parable that God will chasten his children who do not forgive as they have been forgiven. So let's jump in and let's look at this. Come on now. Verse 21 of Matthew 18. Do you have it? Say amen. Amen. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often... Shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Remember, Jesus is talking about that. You forgive him. You forgive him. How often? And Peter says, up to seven times. Because the Talmud, which was the Old Testament kind of commentary to the Old Testament, to the Torah. The Talmud, where these teachers would break down their interpretations of the Torah, they would say things like, um, if you're going to forgive someone, forgive them up to three times. Then after that, cut them off. So Peter's thinking, I'm going beyond what the Talmud says, Jesus. How about 
seven times, Lord. So he think he should get a pat on the back because you got to watch Pete. Pete was tricky. <laughs> but verse 22, here comes Jesus. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. You think you were saying something with seven, you know, uh, but Jesus says, no, up to 70 times seven, which is 490 times. In other words, what he's saying, don't count. <laughs> Stop counting. We do that, though, don't we? Now, I forgave you for that last week. I ain't going to forgive you for that this week. <laughs> but Jesus is saying, do not put a limit on how often and how much you forgive people. He says in verse 23, now I got to give you a story to support this. Because let, watch this now. What if God said to us, when we confess that same sin, didn't I just forgive you of that yesterday? Don't come back to me with that. No, he's rich in mercy, Brother Randall, and, and his mercies are new every morning. And we struggle all of the time with the same stuff. And he forgives us of the same stuff. We repent. We go back. We repent. You said, well, you really haven't repented if you go back. Well, I'm in process. I don't know about you. I'm pressing. I have not yet arrived. I'm doing my best to forget what's behind me. But every now and then the stuff behind me catch up to me today. And I do it again. I think it again. I say it again. And I go back to him again. And he forgives me again. And he doesn't count because love keeps no record of wrong. And the Lord is saying in the book of Ephesians, as you have been forgiven by God, so you ought to forgive one another. So if you want to be like God, learn how to give and forgive. Because when we can do that with his help, man, we're being like Jesus. So Jesus says, let me run this home by giving you all a parable. And we know that a parable is this. It is a simple story with a central meaning. Now, there are a lot of things, application points we can try to pull out of the parable. But when Jesus speaks, and the Bible says never a man ever spoke like him. And so he would use these stories to prove his point that you are to not put a limit on how you are to forgive. You are not to count. You are to forgive even as you have been forgiven. So he tells a simple story with a central meaning. And I pray that we all get it today. He says in verse 23, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, verse 24, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and that all he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. Now, we can read right over that because we don't really understand what a talent was. But that's why I'm here to tell you what a talent was. <laughs> In the world of the Bible, a talent was a unit of measure. And it was used to measure things like gold and silver. 
the common talent was approximately 75 pounds. It was the full weight that a man could carry in a day. If a talent was 75 pounds, then 10 talents would be approximately 750,000 pounds or 375 tons. Now, you may be like me growing up in school. I wasn't good in math, so I'm going to go back and give it to you. Because the Bible says that this man owed 10,000 talents. A talent measured gold and silver, weighed 75 pounds. So 10,000 talents would create, uh, equal 750,000 pounds or 375 tons. And if we're speaking about gold, this servant owed his master 375 tons of gold. So let that sit for a minute. In today's market, the price of gold, it goes up and down, but right now it's approximately $1,210 an ounce. This means a talent of gold, which was 75 pounds, would be worth $1.4 million today. Therefore, 10,000 talents of gold is worth $14.5 billion. So this servant in today's commerce and economy owed his master, his king, $14.5 billion. No wonder he said, um, I can't pay that. <laughs> I know you say that every now and then with the light bill. I, I just can't pay that right now. Can I put this on it? But he was in the hole for $14.5 billion. So the detail about this vast amount that Jesus gives is intentional. It is meant to shock the listener to see how much we have been forgiven by the king, how much we have been forgiven by God, and how little we must forgive from one another. So he's going to show this great debt that had been amassed, and we're about to read how this man is going to choke somebody who owes him a minuscule amount of money. And so Jesus wants us to get this point. So he's using these kinds of illustrations here. So look at verse 28. After this brother has been released of his debt, don't you feel good when you get released of a debt? Don't you feel good when a bill gets paid? Don't you feel good when something has been expunged, when you were supposed to go to jail and you got out of jail? Don't you feel good when you've been set free? Because that's what forgiveness really is. It means to be released to be released from the payment, to be released from judgment, to be set free from the debt, uh, to be let out of jail, to be released. That's what forgiveness is. And whenever you're forgiven, you feel good. You can dance when you've been forgiven. Oh, man. But in verse 28, there's a but. Mm -hmm. You've been set free from $14.5 billion dollars. The king had compassion on you, didn't take your children, didn't lock up your wife. You've been set free, but that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him. In other words, he was looking for this dude who owed him a hundred denarii, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Doesn't that sound familiar? That's just what that dude said to the king. But verse 30, and he 
would not, but went out and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. So that we live in a world today, we don't use denarii. So I'm here to tell you what a denarii was. (laughs) Denarii is plural. Denarius is singular. Man, your pastor is smart. A denarius was a day's wage, according to Matthew chapter 20, verse 2. And in Tennessee, you know, a day's wage in that time. But to bring it forward in Tennessee, the minimum wage is $7.25 an hour. Man, that's terrible. And an eight-hour day equals $58, and that's not even counting taxes. 100 denarii in our system is approximately $5,800. So this man, who had just been forgiven $14.5 billion, went out found, choked, and imprisoned a man who owed him $5,800. You would think since he's been forgiven much, he would forgive this little, but he did not. And the Bible goes on to read in verse 32, then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Sometimes I don't like what Jesus says. This doesn't always fit my portfolio and my systematic theology. Jesus is saying, My father will discipline you. He will hand you over or deliver you to the torturers until you should pay all that was due to him. My goodness. Well, let me give you a few thoughts on unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is a choice. The man says in verse 30, Well, Jesus says of the man, he would not. It's not that he could not. He would not. So that is his will. I will not forgive this guy that owes me chump change compared to all that I've just been forgiven. I will not forgive him. So unforgiveness is a choice, but watch this. And it's a choice that will hurt you and land you in prison. So you escape prison earlier. You escape slavery. But then you go out and you enslave someone else. And by doing that, you throw yourself back into slavery. You throw yourself behind prison bars. You will be tortured. 
And the only way to end the torture, whether God does it, and, and God will torture you or spank you or discipline you. That is when nothing is going right. You don't have any joy. You're just gloomy. You're down. You need to check the root because there might be a bit of root that's bringing up some negative fruit. And you're being disciplined or God will allow the enemy to whoop a knot on your head. Because we can pick the sin, we can't pick the consequences. And unforgiveness is a sin. And Jesus says, whether it's my father or the enemy, you will suffer for not forgiving folks because you've been forgiven by the grace of God. Another point is Christians who choose not to forgive others have forgotten how much they were forgiven. This man was forgiven $14.5 billion, choked somebody over 5800 He forgot what he had just been released from. And if he really appreciated what he was released from, he could extend grace to this person. Because no matter what a person owes you, it pales in comparison to what you owe God. So really, it shouldn't even be an issue because you've been forgiven this debt. And then I have to ask myself now, somebody had to pay for that debt. It just wasn't completely expunged. Somebody had to come up with that. Now, the parable doesn't go into this, but as we know the whole gospel story, that king has a son. And that son stepped up to pay the debt that we owed and could not pay. And so if anyone paid for this man's debt in this parable, it was the son of the king. And he paid for the debt, not with money, not with corruptible things, but with his precious life. And so Jesus is the one who sets us free. And because he set us free, we shouldn't hold anyone captive. We should release them. And hang with me, whether they ask for forgiveness or not. Another point is those of us who struggle much with pride struggle most with forgiveness. It's a pride thing. When you don't want to forgive someone, who do you think you are? You're a mess. Only by the grace of God turned into a message. Who do you think you are to withhold grace from someone when God doesn't withhold it from you? Now, in one of the other Gospels, Jesus says, if you don't forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will not forgive you of your trespasses. That's what, another one of the ones from Jesus we don't like to talk about. We always like to talk about his unconditional love, but there's some stuff that got some conditions on it. You can't be walking around here, I love Jesus, and being nasty to people, not forgiving people. Because when you don't treat people right, that affects your relationship with God. And God won't be mocked, he won't be fooled. That's why a lot of times he says, leave your gift at the altar, go to your brother, make this thing right, then come back and offer your gift. Stop trying to shout, you may be fooling them, you ain't fooling me. Why? Because I ain't listening to what's coming out your mouth, I'm looking at your heart. Your heart ain't right, and it shows up in how you mistreat people, and you don't want to forgive. How dare you? Your walls of protection and self-preservation that you've erected will soon become your prison. Because what you say is, you hurt me, and I don't want to put myself in a position for you to hurt me again. So I'm going to withhold grace from you. But here's the thing about grace and love. It gives other people the permission to hurt you. Uh, you'll get that when you get home. If you love people, you are giving them the permission to hurt you, and they will. 
The people we hurt the most are the people we love the most. No one gets married with a hard heart. You get married with a soft heart. But over time, the heart becomes hard because there's not enough grace flowing through the relationship. Because one person ends up thinking that they're holier than the other person. Now, I'm not trying to say there aren't consequences for disobedience. There are some consequences. You know, if you rob my house, uh, or, or put it like this, if, if we hanging out in your family, and you end up selling stuff out of the house, letting folk in the house, doing drugs in my house, I'm going to have to put you out the house and take your key until I've seen that you've repented and changed. Hang with me. And if you don't want to give me your key, I know how to change the lock. Because if I let you in too soon, you're going to hurt me again. But again, this is that thing of relationships. But when you love folks, man, it puts you out there to get hurt. And we put these bars up to say, you're not going to hurt me again. But when we put them up, we end up locking ourselves in. Because now we don't want to love anybody. Now we don't want to trust anybody. So we got to deal with these things as they come with the help of God. Unforgiveness is the seed that produces the root of bitterness. With unforgiveness, God tortures the believer until he or she repents and forgives. You will stay locked up. Until you repent, and the proof of that repentance is that you forgive the people who hurt you, the people who owe you $5,800. Now, let me give you a couple thoughts on forgiveness. <clears throat> no matter what a person has done to hurt you, Jesus expects you to forgive that person. No matter what they've done. Because think about all that you've done against God. I know you don't think of it like that, but your righteousness is as filthy rags. You were God's enemy. Against you and you only, Lord, have I sinned. But God forgave us all of it. He forgave us of the adultery, the fornication, the blasphemy, taking his name in vain. And that's after we got saved. So no matter what they've done, no matter how much they've hurt you, forgive them. Know the difference between transactional forgiveness and unilateral forgiveness. Transactional forgiveness is when someone comes to you and says, I'm sorry for hurting you. I'm sorry for sinning against you. Please forgive me. That's a transaction. And whenever someone comes, which is rare, it's rare. But when the Holy Spirit convicts someone and they come to you and say, I sinned against you, may have been last week or maybe last year, I sinned against you, you are to then forgive that person. You're not to put them on hold and say, I don't know if you're serious or not. I don't know if you're sincere. I didn't know that was a fourth member of the Trinity. How do you know folks' minds and hearts? Take them at their word. And you forgive them and speak the words, I forgive you. Don't keep that stuff bottled up. Let it go because your mouth has the ability to speak life or death. Use your mouth to speak life and say, and don't trust your feelings. Trust your faith. You ain't going to feel like it. If your mother or your father, somebody did something to you, you ain't going to feel like it. But right now we ain't talking about feelings. We're talking about truth. Forgive them. Remember when Jesus was being crucified? He forgave, which goes into the unilateral now. Even if they don't ask for forgiveness, forgive them. 
Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. They weren't asking Jesus to forgive them, but he was forgiving them anyhow. Still want to be like Jesus? He going to set some stuff up in your life? But she never apologized to me. <laughs> Forgive her. Release her. And do it for your own sake. <laughs> Release them. Oh, man. So know the difference between transactional forgiveness. Someone come to you unilateral. They don't come. Forgive them anyway. Maybe one day they will. And if they do come, your heart has been changed because you've administered grace. So that when they come, man, you're like the prodigal son's father. He's coming back. I sinned. I sinned. He said, man, get the coat, slay the lamb. Come on, get ready. And he hugs his son, put the ring on. He don't need all of that talk. Just seeing his son come back towards him, man, they embrace. And some of us will experience that with broken relationships. Some of us may not, but you forgive them anyway. Pastor, what about when I have a tremor or an aftershock? Or something that triggers the pain. I forgave them. But I have a pain anniversary. You know, July 16th was the day he left me. So whenever July 16th rolled around, all that stuff started coming up again. She cussed me out on Christmas in front of the kids. I can't forget that. So every time Christmas come around, you have a pain anniversary. Oh, man. The day she left, the day he left, the anniversary of that pain. What do you do when there's a tremor or an aftershock? You forgive him again. Why do you think he said up to 70 times 7? Because he knows you're going to be working with that thing. It just ain't going to go away and bless you if it goes away immediately. But some of us got to forgive, and we got to forgive again. We got to forgive again until our heart gets lighter. That bitter root evaporates. We just got to keep forgiving. Because you know how some folk are when you see them in a room, when you see them at Kroger, when you see them unexpectedly, when you see them at a funeral, you thought you forgave them, and you did. You just need to forgive them again. There he is, that no good. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I hear you, Lord. Lord, I give grace. I forgive, I release. You keep doing that. Keep doing that. Don't try to walk around here like you all sanctified and like you don't have no issue no more. God bless you if you do, but most of us, it's a process. Which goes into this next point here. Forgiveness is immediate, but reconciliation is a process. The rebuilding of trust is a process. Forgive them, but that don't mean you may trust them immediately, again, with the keys to your house. We, we got to, there's got to be a time where fruit is born over time. Uh, so I forgive you, but I don't know if we're just going to yoke right back up immediately. Trust takes time. <laughs> you ain't going to get that in most places. I, that, that's for free. I'm giving that to you. <laughs> <laughs> forgiveness is more for you than it is for the other person. It's the first step towards self-healing. And when you forgive, you live. And people will look at you and say, what power is operating in your life that you could forgive that person? It's only the power of Jesus because I recognize how much he has forgiven me. 
how much he loves me. Who am I not to forgive? Oh, I'll pass on what I've received from the Lord. We can't pass it on if we haven't received it. But if I've received it and I know how much his love has just completely engulfed my sin, I can forgive you. And when I do, I live. But when I don't, I die. What do you need to do today? You need to forgive somebody. You're not going to live in this life and not have somebody hurt you. And not only that, watch this. And you're going to hurt some people. We always think about what people did to us. What did you do to people? And if God forgave you the way you forgive people, would you be forgiven? But the way God does forgive you, forgive people, which is completely, immediately, and wholly. Just forgive them. But who do you need to forgive today? What's eating away at you? Usually if you keep looking, it's somewhere you're not forgiving someone. And let's start off with the big one, your father, your daddy, your earthly daddy. A lot of us can trace our issues. If we go to counseling, they're going to take you back so that you can find out how things got broken so that you can then go forward. And a lot of us have what is called father wounds. We don't know how bad we were hurt, but we don't understand why we keep hurting other people. But if you go back, you'll find out your daddy did something or didn't do something to you or for you. And you've been carrying this pain, this anger, this resentment, this bitterness, and it shows up in ways that you don't even know. But like when the man threw, the, the man who owed him money, the 5,800 in jail, the Bible says it grieved the servants. When they saw him do that, so when we do things we don't even know we're doing, it grieves people who are close to us. You sure are mean to mama. You sure are mean to daddy. You sure are mean-spirited. We don't even know we that mean. We got to go back and say, Lord, search me and see if there's any wicked way in me. Psalm 130, search me, O oh God. And he'll search you. You know, every now and then I'll listen to Tupac. And Tupac said in the song, Dear Mama. Tupac, who died at age 25, an early death. He says, ain't nobody tell us it was fair. No love for my daddy because the coward wasn't there. He passed away and I didn't cry because my anger wouldn't let me feel for a stranger. They say I'm wrong and I'm heartless, but all along I was looking for a father. He was gone. No wonder he acted out and acted up. No wonder we act out and act up. Somewhere we got a father wound. He divorced mama. He abandoned us. Sometimes he died before we got to know him. And we're angry with our fathers. You got to forgive your father. If your father is alive, if your father is dead, you got to forgive your father. And you got to give your father the grace that God gives you. I'm not saying excuse what he did. I'm saying you got to forgive what he did. Otherwise, it's going to eat you up. And that's why you're having trouble in your marriage. Because somewhere along the line is the man or the woman, you and your dad are off, and so everything else gets off. You may never be able to get it on as far as your relationship, but forgive that man for your sake, for the sake of your spouse. Maybe you got to forgive your mother. Maybe you got to forgive your husband or your wife. Some of you got to forgive your ex-husband or your ex-wife. You're still talking about what they did to you. That was 10 years ago. 
You got to forgive your family members. You got to forgive your friends. You got to forgive your coworkers. You got to forgive your boss. You got to forgive your church. Church hurt is real. And folk leave church because somebody didn't talk to them right, sat in that seat, the pastor wasn't there for them, all kind of things. That's $5,800 worth of offense. Leave the church and take that same stuff to the next church. Then you leave that church. And then you leave that church. It ain't the church. Look in the mirror. It's you. There's a root in there. It's not always other people. Before you point a finger, learn to point a thumb and say, God, help me. Maybe you need to forgive your pastor. You know, um, he didn't call me when my great aunt's cousin niece's mother died. He didn't call me. I'm looking at him mean. I walk around, I see some of y'all mean looking at me. If you could bite, you would. <laughs> and a lot of times, what you're calling a sin is not a sin. It's not always the preacher's fault or problem. It's your problem. And you're trying to make uh, 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 something that is not a sin a sin. And, and you're walking around, or you want the pastor or your husband, your spouse, to read your mind and know what you want. And if they don't do it, they're guilty. Oh, man, come on now. Look at yourself. And then for the pastor, I got to throw it at myself. Holy Ghost was cutting me this week. You got to forgive your parishioners. Because every now and then I want to strike a rock over some of y'all. That's how Moses messed up. Moses said, okay, y'all done went off one, okay. You rebels and that brother striking a rock. God said, you can't come in the promised land. And every now and then a pastor gets ticked. Y'all tick us off sometimes. And I got to forgive y'all whether you ask for it or not. <laughs> so I keep my spirit clear. <laughs> I ain't going to eat your potato salad. Might be some poison in it, but... Anyway, <laughs> real talk, got to forgive the president of the United States. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm all up in it now. We're all up in the Kool-Aid, checking the flavor. It's red. But the Holy Ghost will say to me sometime, I look at him and I get mad when I just look at him. And the Lord will say, forgive, forgive. And you need to ask for forgiveness for that look you just had on him. So it just ain't him, it's you too. That anger was not all righteous. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I got to forgive the police, whomever. So here's what I want you to do today. I'm over time. I want you to go home and write down the name or the names of the people you need to forgive. You got to release them. You gotta, and you got to say it with your mouth. And then ask God to forgive you for not forgiving them. Go home and do that. Write a list. I had to do that about a year, year and a half ago. I had to write a list of people. And I had to forgive them. And some of them I reached out to to try to see if we could reconcile our relationship. Man, because Jesus said, now, everybody got something in their eye. And everybody got a log in their eye. 
your neighbor got uh, some dust. But we think there's nothing in our eye and there's a log in our neighbor's eye. No, you got a log in yours. Deal with the log. Deal with the unforgiveness. Let them go. Holding them hasn't done nothing but taking joy out of your life. Taking years off your life. It's like drinking poison and you hope they die. I'm going to drink this poison. I hope you go. You dying. So go home and do it and say, Lord, I forgive them and forgive me for not forgiving them. So can I pray with you? Stand to your feet now. Read this passage. Meditate on this passage. When my marriage gets tough, you could trace it back to is there grace being disseminated one to the other? And early in our marriage, I was the one who held grudges. My wife would go out and buy turkey meat. Like, what, where's the ground beef? No, I'm getting this turkey meat because it's better for you. We have a fight. And, uh, and then she'd come and say, you know what, honey? Please forgive me. Um, I should have talked to you first. We should have had an agreement. I just went out. I was trying to fix you. I know that don't happen in your marriage. I was trying to fix you. And she would say, forgive me. And rarely would I say, early in my marriage, honey, I forgive you. I would hold it. Then I try to go have my time with God. My prayer's bouncing off the ceiling. <laughs> God is like, now why didn't you forgive your wife? Pride? What? I gave you a cross. Negro, it's time to die. That's how God talked to me. But anyway. <laughs> and I go back. And I have to say, I'm sorry for not accepting your apology. Please forgive me. And yes, I accept. You're going to eat the humble pie now or later. If you let it go later, it's going to get stale and it's harder to swallow. But God sent you here today to hear it one more time. Forgive your father. Forgive your uncle. Forgive your mother. Forgive your pastor. Forgive your friend. Forgive your neighbor. Forgive your coworker. Forgive. But everybody looking this way. If you needed to hear this message today, just raise your hand. If you need to hear this today. Isn't that good? We need to hear this, right? Amen. Well, you have an opportunity. Go home. Write that stuff down. Forgive those people. Speak their names and speak forgiveness and release them. And watch God do something in your spirit. Ah, let's pray. Oh, Daddy, thank you, Lord. Jesus, thank you for keeping it real. Putting it out there where we can get it and understand it. Lord, forgive us when we've been prideful. Forgive us when our hearts have gotten hard. Forgive us when we have not given grace to people the way you've given grace and lavished it on us. Lord, would you teach us how to deny ourselves and how to forgive people even when they hurt us and do all kinds of wrong things about us? Jesus, you're an amazing Savior, and I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're conforming us to the image of Christ who could forgive people even when they didn't ask, who could forgive people when they did ask. We want to be like you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your help. Would you help each person to identify who they must forgive? 
Would you help them to be obedient and do it? And Lord, I believe, Lord, they're going to be bouncing and dancing. They're going to be freer. Oh, Jesus, would you do it? Oh, thank you that you stand ready to do it. I just pray that we would work with you. Now, Lord, dismiss us from this place, but never from your presence. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. And according to the power that's at work within us, to him be the glory, the majesty, the dominion, and the power, both now and forevermore. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. amen. If you want to talk to me about joining the church, if you want to talk to me about meeting Jesus, I'm right here, all right? So members, let me talk to folks who need to come up. Come on, have a good day.